Hello, I'm really glad you've joined us online today, tonight, whatever time it is. Glad you're here. Fishing guides are valuable because they know where the fish are. If I were fishing on a river I didn't know, which frankly would be every river, then I would need a guide every step of the way. In fact, whether I knew the river or not, a guide would be very helpful because they know where the fish are. In following the guide's advice, humility is going to be required. You you have to admit, to follow a guide, you have to admit that you don't know all there is to know about that river or fishing. In the same way, we need someone to guide us into wisdom, and Jesus wants to be our guide. In this message, we'll see how He doesn't compete with wisdom. He is the way to wisdom. He will guide us into wisdom if we choose to follow him as Lord and do what he says. The Bible shows that all the treasures of wisdom are found in Jesus Christ. We discover wisdom as we follow Jesus Like we find the fish by following a river guide who knows where the fish are. But this wisdom is a much more significant find. Here's one of Paul's prayers for the church that shows the significance of finding wisdom. Colossians 2, 2-3 says, That their hearts may be encouraged. He's praying that their hearts would be encouraged being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus has all the treasures of wisdom, and if we follow him, they open up to us. If we humble ourselves and admit that we need a guide, we need Jesus to guide us and set our hearts to follow him, he unlocks the treasures of wisdom to us. The way of Jesus is the way of wisdom. Notice verse 2 says this, The the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ. What it means here uh, when it mentions the mystery, God's mystery, who is Christ, is that what God has done to bring salvation to us must be revealed in order to understand it and know it. We're not going to be able to reason our way to the gospel, to the core message of Christianity It's a mystery that God must unveil if we're going to get it at all. People can't reason out the gospel, the core message of Christianity, on their own. It is not something that dawns on you one day. God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ, and that's how we come to know. We We see what God has done 
as he shows it to us, as he reveals him to us. A friend of mine says it like this. Imagine that I'm hiding in a closet and you're outside the door of the closet trying to figure out what is inside. You don't know if the thing in the closet is a coat, a vacuum cleaner, or a dancing carrot, or whatever it is. After a brief amount of time, I speak. And so that tells you it's not a coat or a vacuum cleaner. If a carrot can dance, then maybe it can talk. But after some more time goes by, I slide a picture of myself under the door. Now you know that I'm a human being. You have a clearer picture of the nature of what is in the closet. And you know now it's a who, not a what. This is what God has done by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to earth. He did that to show us what he's like. Jesus is the exact picture of God himself because he is God. <laughs> so that's that's why. God sent a person to us to reveal himself to us, not a book. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas, and that's why the, the season is so meaningful for those who follow Christ and those who are investigating Christ as well. The person of Christ if we choose to follow him, will guide us into all wisdom. Pursuing wisdom is wrapped together with pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. So therefore, we must know what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to make sure that you know how to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the main reason, one of the main reasons for sure, that our church exists to help our neighbors come to know Christ and grow in their relationship with him. So we're going to look at the flow of the gospel, the core message of Christianity this morning from a wisdom angle. My mentor put it this, this way. He put it together this way. God provides, we decide to do what he says, and build a life of wisdom. So let's look at how God provides, first of all. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and God used Paul. He planted several churches throughout the Roman Empire of his day, and God used him to write about two-thirds of the New Testament, maybe, maybe three-quarters. But in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, he states that we have no reason to boast in the presence of God because the Lord God has provided everything we needed for our salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, And because of him, speaking about God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us Wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. And this is quite a list of what God provides for us in Christ Jesus. First of all, wisdom, this is what we're talking about in this series. And the 
previous series, really, righteousness, which means doing right before God. And Jesus did right for us. He is the breastplate of righteousness for us in the armor of God that he provides. And so he has become our righteousness. Sanctification, which means making you holy or setting you apart for God, and it, it relates to spiritual growth. It's it's deeper than that, but it's it's how you grow spiritually. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has he is our sanctification and redemption. We redemption is a word that means to be bought out of slavery and we've been bought out of slavery to sin by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as payment for our sin. That is our ransom. That is our redemption. What he's done. So God has provided everything we need. So we must decide. We must accept what Jesus has done for us if we're going to have the salvation that God offers to us. We, we can't just hear it and not respond. There's a proper response to what God has provided. Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The word believe here is is in this passage, in the Greek it was originally written in, is a word that means to believe to the extent that you completely trust and rely on the other person to the point that you obey them. That's that's what it means. So you make him Lord, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. So you you call him Lord. You you from that point forward, you decide to let him call the shots, and then you believe, you trust him enough to obey him. And that's how you gain salvation. In, in other words, you believe to the extent that you choose to do what he says. Luke 6.46 Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? <laughs> Someone who calls Jesus Lord sets out to do what he tells us to do, what he tells them to do. So, you have faith to do what Jesus says. Not just read his words, but you put his words into practice. And this is how you build a life of wisdom. Jesus says this in Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat it on that house. But it did not fall, because he had founded it on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. 
Wise men and women not only hear and read the words of Jesus, but they do them. And this is the way to build your life on a solid foundation of wisdom. All the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Jesus Christ. And we know them based on his word and the word of God. Uh, he, he is the author of the entire Bible. And we discover his wisdom as we respond to his words by putting them into practice. Psalm 19.7 says that the word of God makes the wise, or makes the simple wise. And that is what I found to be true. And as you observe, those who obey God, do what he says in his word, that bears out. They, they grow wise. The, the Bible brings blessing then, not as you merely read it or hear it, but when you put its truths into practice. This is the way to build a strong foundation for your life when you're young. If you're in your teen years uh, or in your 20s, you have an opportunity to grow in wisdom as you build your life on, on doing what Jesus tells you to do. Jesus' words provide a strong foundation for families as well. Families who build the way they relate and their understandings and how they respond to life and what's going on and parents who train their kids in that, that is a solid foundation. Jesus' words are a comfort in any kind of trouble that we face throughout our lifetime, and especially in our later years. As we, as we walk through our later years, there's a tremendous amount of perspective and comfort in Jesus' words as we walk on through life. Jesus says it's foolish to hear his words and not do them. This makes you like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. That is a very unstable life. The winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. We discover the treasures of that are hidden in Christ, then, when we do what he tells us to do. It's as simple as that. Easy to say, harder to do, because of the embedded problems in our heart that Thad talked about last week. This is the outcome that Jesus wants us to have in the church, actually. We're, we're to be working on encouraging people and encouraging one another to do what Jesus has told us to do. And the commission that Jesus gave his first followers in Matthew 28, he commanded them to make disciples, and then he he told them, and this is what we do in the church, this is how it's designed to work, that we're to be teaching his followers 
followers of Christ, to observe all that I have commanded you. When we hear Jesus' words taught, or we read them, we put them into practice, and that's how we grow wise. Actually, we grow in wisdom by adopting Jesus' lifestyle. We, we live like Jesus would if he were living through us, and, and that's actually how it works because his spirit lives in us and wants to help us guide us into wisdom and show us how to live in uh, wisdom. If, if we let the spirit of Christ live through us and guide us, this is the path of wisdom. It's the way of Jesus, the path of wisdom. As I wrap up, I want to take some time to share three core characteristics of Jesus' lifestyle. There are others, of course, but these are uh, what we're going to focus on today. First, we love God enough to want to please him. This means that you make God's will the number one priority in your life. It, it, as you're ranking your priorities, you're looking at situations, you put pleasing God to the top. Jesus was asked one time, what was the greatest commandment in the scriptures? And this is what he said, Matthew 22, 37 and 38. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Practically, what this means is what I said before, pleasing God rises to the top as you're considering how you're going to deal with certain situations. You may wrestle with wanting to please yourself and do just what you want to do, but in the end, you surrender to pleasing God. And this is characteristic of Jesus' lifestyle. When he was in the garden, when he was looking ahead to the cross, it was very close in that time when he was in the garden. And he struggled as he prayed and he asked God, Father, if if you're willing, let this cup pass away from me, pass from me. I mean, I, I do not want to do this, yet your will be done, not mine. That's, that's a pattern. That's characteristic of Jesus' lifestyle. Many people sort of want to follow God as number one, but other things keep getting in the way. They keep grabbing their attention, things that worry them hassles with making enough money, and trying to get some pleasure out of life. When we get preoccupied with worries, money, and having a good time, the good things that God wants to bring into our lives never arrive. We don't grow in wisdom. Now, <clears throat> we will never love God perfectly. We will only be perfect in heaven. Actually, a question sometimes we ask and we feel guilty about is, do I love God enough? Do I pray to God enough? Do I appreciate him enough? Do I thank him enough? Do I praise him enough? Do I give to him enough? And 
Frankly, the answer to that is no. We don't. But God is gracious. And we can always grow in every facet of the Christian life. But, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants to help us do it. But his goal for us is to grow a little each day as we adopt Jesus' lifestyle. Another characteristic of Jesus' lifestyle we must adopt to grow in wisdom is to love others with consideration. Jesus continued his answer on the greatest commandment with this. Matthew 22, 39 through 40. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Here, Jesus is not talking about feeling good about your neighbor. Sometimes people hear this and they conclude that we must first love ourselves or feel good about ourselves before we can love others. And this really cuts the very heart out of what Jesus is saying here. It takes our attention off of our neighbor and puts it on ourselves. And from the perspective of Scripture, we think about ourselves enough. We we start under this scenario, we start trying to feel better about ourselves so we can ultimately feel better about others. But actually, if we do feel rotten about ourselves, we usually feel rotten about others. But Jesus is not addressing our feelings here. He is addressing our priorities, just like he was in the the first and greatest commandment. He expects us to take care of our own responsibilities, but we handle them in a way that shows consideration to others as we carry them out. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Put others' interest on par with your own. When we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are still taking care of our own responsibilities. We're... we're, we're, accountable to do that, but the difference is that we carry out our own agenda in a way that is helpful to the people around us as well. We show consideration. The word for love in this passage, and really in in the prior commandment to love God with all our heart, <clears throat> is the word agape. This is how we're to love our neighbors. And it means literally to do what's best for another person regardless of how you feel. So it doesn't have anything to do with our feelings. When you love this way, you're vulnerable. You're looking out for the interests of others. Who's going to watch out for your interests? And the scripture tells us God watches out for our interests, if we take the risk to love others, whether or not we feel like it. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. In the measure you use, it will be given you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And I found God to be faithful to do what he's promised time and time again. And actually, 
refreshing others, being a blessing to others, Proverbs says, is the way you get refreshment yourself. So you look outwards. It's counterintuitive for us. But God promises to take care of you as you focus on the interests of others. And that turns out to be very, very wise. To follow God and adopt adopt Jesus' lifestyle, we must live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5-7 says plainly, For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is a clear description of how we live the Christian life. We must trust God and do what's right, even if it looks like it's going to cost us dearly. Even if we can't see how things are going to work out, we trust God and do what's right over and over and over again. We, we will never not need the help of God, especially his help through the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us and learn wisdom through him. God doesn't give us a map of the future. He promises to guide us. He doesn't give us a formula to follow. I really would like that, but that would be kind of stale, actually. He doesn't give us a formula to follow, but he promises to lead us as we learn to trust him and do what's right. A fishing guide will show you where the fish are found. But only Jesus can help you and I discover what is most valued, the wisdom and salvation that he brings, and all the treasures of wisdom that are hidden in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are found in him. And as you walk with Jesus through the rest of your days, you're going to grow in wisdom as you build your life on his words. You grow in wisdom by hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. So I want to encourage you to take some next steps uh, today based on what you've heard in this message, what, what I've talked about. Um, here are my suggestions. My next step today is, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow him as Lord. Another step would be just think through what I've talked about in this message about adopting Jesus' lifestyle. My next step could be adopt Jesus' lifestyle by, and check one of these in your mind, um, loving God enough to please him, loving others with consideration, sticking my neck out, taking the risk, being vulnerable to love others, and choosing to live by faith. Maybe God said something through this message that you want to follow up on and you want to take a next step of obedience. And I highly recommend that you do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done to provide uh, salvation for us and all the treasures of wisdom that are hidden in you and that we discover in the context of a relationship with you, Lord God. I thank you for what you've done, and I ask you 
to help us to have the power to take these next steps that you've laid on our life, the next steps of obedience. May we trust you enough to do the really challenging things that you've laid on our heart to do. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.